I have been awake and aware for many years now, paying attention to what's been going on in the world. I have been involved in local politics in this county for probably 15 years now, and I'm usually among the youngest in the room. In 2020, they closed our businesses, told us to stay home, and told us we couldn't assemble for weddings and funerals and church services. There were underground church services in this county in 2020. They told us we couldn't visit our dying loved ones in the hospitals, and they refused entry to nursing homes. And it finally occurred to me that if I was going to secure the blessings of liberty for my family and faith, county citizens, that I was going to have to run for local office. Any organization takes on the characteristics of its leader, but now more than ever, we need a good role model of a principal leader who will fight for the preservation of the rights and liberties that made this country great. Here I am, and I look forward to spreading the message of liberty. All right, Dan, you have your two so Well, I also want to thank you all for being here today. Your, your attendance here means that you're uh, concerned about the direction of the county. I want to recognize uh, my wife, Vi, sitting here. Uh, she served as the uh, county extension agent here uh, moving here from Bell County around 1990. She uh, was the extension agent here, which we know or knew back then as the Homemakers Club until she retired about uh, 12 years ago or so. And I also want to recognize my dear friend and treasurer of my campaign, Mr. Gene Krupa. I was sitting here moments ago and I got to thinking, I think perhaps Gene Krupa is the longest serving elected official here in the county. He's been a county surveyor since, uh, I think, 82. I think I'll, uh, I'm sure he'll correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, Gene and his wife, Beverly, thank y'all for being here today, and thank all of you for being here. I am seeking the office, uh, office of county judge, born and raised here in Schulenburg, just outside of Schulenburg city limits, where the uh, contact business stands today. My home phone, uh, home uh, house was just across the street there, about a half a mile from where sits Glenn College. In those days, when I was growing up, Bishop Forest High School stood there. I grew up there with my uh, three sisters, uh, two of the three, Barbara and Teresa, lived in the range. My sister Donna, the youngest in the family, lives in Holman. I have a brother who lives here, Gary, and I have an older brother, the eldest brother in the family he lives in. Weimer. Um, I have been Justice of the Peace here in this part of the precinct of the county uh, for the past 27 years. This is my 28th year now. Uh, people ask me why I'm seeking the office. I've been close to the county office for many, many years, and I don't want to demean anyone at this table, but I was literally inundated by calls because people weren't happy with the candidates that were seeking the office. And that's why I got into the office. I got into the office because I'm familiar with the workings of the office. Prior to coming here today, on my radio program, my good friend Mike Petrosh stopped by to visit with me. Mike has been my dear friend for 45 years. His dad served as county judge here in Fayette County. He actually died in office in 1969. Chris Lowprice was county judge when I went to work at the radio station 
When I was 21 years of age, of course, the radio station is involved with county government. Judge Price was a good friend of mine. I remember weekly to have coffee. 1990, Judge Beck became county judge. He finished his tenure on the bench as district judge. When he died in 2015, I did a eulogy at his, at his uh, funeral service. And I also want to close by saying my oldest brother was roommate at Sam Houston State with Judge Ed Gnitschka, who just finished 28 years as our county judge. Thank you. Okay, Craig, you have your three-minute coverage remarks. Thank you, and I would also like to thank the moderator and uh, the organizers for this. Uh, I think the rules set forth to not disparage other candidates is fantastic. Uh, I think we live in a very fortunate place to have uh, amazing candidates. I've been to many, many, many elections where I had to pick between the, the luster of the evils, and I believe that we're very fortunate uh, up and down the ballot uh, to have a lot of really good people in this county to vote for, and I hope that you guys will choose me as the best choice. Uh, if you don't, you can rest assured that there are other really good people on the ballot, uh, and they're sitting here at this table, uh, some amazing folks that have really contributed a lot to this county. Uh, I live in Precinct 2, uh, off 237, with my wife Jamie and our three daughters. Our daughters are all named after Republican presidents, uh, Reagan, Madison, and the little one Lincoln, uh, and they're amazing ladies. I tell you what, uh, we even have two girl dogs, so I'm kind of surrounded by ladies, uh, but they're strong and powerful and uh, do amazing things. I'm very proud of my daughter Reagan, who is a member of the Faith County Republican Women, and uh, I believe will be an incredible leader in this county. Uh, <clears throat> I come from a law enforcement family. My dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, all of my uncles uh, were firefighters, uh, raised, some of them state patrolmen their entire careers, some of them raised a police chief, uh, and everywhere in between they have a breadth of experience that is uh, quite amazing. Uh, I was the black sheep in the family and went to the fire department. I uh, spent two decades as a Houston firefighter and a paramedic. Uh, prior to that, I was a youth minister uh, in the fire department. Uh, I was, like I said, a paramedic. I raised to the rank of senior captain. Uh, I'm a master firefighter in Texas, a master marine firefighter. I have a hazmat technician certification, uh, swiftwater rescue, and I supervise as many as 400 firefighters uh, during a large event or during special circumstances. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for almost all first responders, you have to have a second job because it's very, very hard to support a family as a first responder. If you look around this room, almost everyone who uh, carries a gun or drags a fire hose or, or serves as a paramedic uh, does something else on the side. Uh, mine has been a strong business background. I've worked in medical research for small, medium, and large uh, companies, including the 40th largest company in the world, uh, which has given me a business background that has been outstanding. Um, I also very much enjoy taking uh, medical mission trips around the world. I've been to Central America, all throughout the USA, and uh, even to Asia, uh, serving as a medical, medical missionary. Uh, currently, I'm your Chief of Emergency Management and Homeland Security for Fayette County, Texas. I was hired by an amazing man, a three-star general, uh, Judge Joe Weber, and uh, learned a tremendous amount uh, from him. Uh, during that time, we've had some really crazy experiences, as you all know. We've had a worldwide pandemic that has shut down the world. We've had to make tough decisions. Uh, we've had a freeze that froze the entire state of Texas, something you never thought would be able to happen. Uh, we've had 100-year, 200-year, 500-year floods happen on almost a monthly basis. My name is Lori Berger. Uh, I am from Flatonia, Texas. I was born and raised there. Born in Wyoming, raised in Flatonia. 
Uh, I have three grandchildren uh, that all have amazing jobs, have amazing careers, uh, raising children, and I'm lucky enough to have six grandchildren. Uh, living in Flatonia, uh, being part of the community, different organizations, I uh, realized my interest in possibly becoming a member of the city council. So I ran for city council, was elected, became mayor pro tem. I went from that to running for mayor, being the first woman in Flatonia to run for mayor, and I was elected. I served uh, in that capacity for, um, I think, eight to nine years. And that's not always easy, being in a small town and everyone knowing exactly what you do or where you are, they'll find you if there's a problem. We did a lot of good things for quite many positive things to help it grow. Uh, I know it's not, you know, all glitter, but we did a brand new sewer system, the uh, septic system uh, for the town. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that needed to be done because it hadn't been done before. I believe in uh, taking a step forward and step, instead of taking a step back and having to realize that you didn't do something that could have prevented problems with, say, septic systems or anything else. Uh, I, uh, I've served on several uh, state boards. I was appointed first by Ann Richards and then reappointed um, by George Bush. And, uh, and then recently just uh, finished a 12-year tenure, tenure at uh, the LCRA, where I served as Landon Community uh, Chair. And I want to bring what I've learned and the people that I've met that, that can help make and what I've learned to Fayette County and to represent every, every person of Fayette County. I'm not a politician. If I can't do something for you, I will tell you that. If I can, I will help you. But I'm not a politician. Okay, now we'll go to our questions and there'll be one minute and 30 seconds for each question, starting with uh, Dan. How familiar are you with the responsibilities of county judges? What experience has provided you with that familiarity? Well, as I uh, said in the opening statement, I believe that uh, I've been familiar with uh, the workings of county government, county judge's office for over 50 years. I spent 27 years as, and all my 28 years as Justice of the Peace. And you know, the Justice of the Peace office is a it's a varied office. In other words, I don't know if you saw earlier when this program started, but I had a city officer sign up here, uh, come in here earlier to sign a warrant. The JP office is, a, is not a set eight to five position. It is, uh, you get called out at all hours of the night and all hours of the day. And there was an individual who stole a uh, Leon's electric truck here last night inside the city limits and there was a chase and that individual was arrested. When law enforcement doesn't see an actual crime taking place, they must secure a warrant. That warrant comes from a justice of the peace. So uh, what qualifies me to seek this office, the familiarity of it, uh, 
the knowledge of the county, the knowledge of the people. Uh, I believe the position of county judge should be a reflection of the people, and I believe in this race for county judge, I am the person that most reflects the people of Fayette County. Okay, for Craig, how familiar are you with the responsibilities of the county judge and what experience has provided you, you with this familiarity? Uh, I'm extremely familiar with the uh, what the county judge does. He's my direct reporter. Uh, my office is about 400 feet from his, uh, and I share uh, an office wall with the commissioner's courtroom. Uh, there are three main duties of, of the county judge. And I found out throughout this campaign, a lot of people don't know that. They don't know the difference between a county judge and district judge and what exactly they do. Uh, the county judge acts as the de facto kind of mayor of the county. Uh, they preside over commissioner's court, which is kind of the um, city council of the county, if you will, and, uh, and make the budget. They, they determine salaries. They uh, determine the direction we're going with infrastructure. They determine what grants we're going to go out for. It's a very important uh, role. The second thing that the county judge does is presides over the judicial issues. Uh, they, they do the uh, small courts uh, dealing with uh, misdemeanor crimes, with juvenile crimes, and something that I'm uh, very passionate about, which is dealing with probates. When someone dies and you're going through your toughest time, you want someone in front of you that's got a compassionate ear, uh, that's got a soft heart, and kind of guide you through those difficult times. So probates are very important. And then third, the judge is the director of emergency management. Everything I do as emergency management chief goes through the county judge. Uh, those roles are set forth uh, by statute and state. Uh, there's a plethora of laws that go with that, and that's something I could not be more familiar with and I'm very passionate about. Uh, during the normal times, emergency management isn't always uh, visible, but during our worst times, we are. Okay, for Lori, how familiar are you with the responsibilities of county judge, and what experience has provided you with this familiarity? Well, I think for starters, uh, doing the budget for the city of Flatland gave me a good idea of how that works working within uh, the municipality in Flatland. Uh, working with uh, meeting with employees and uh, our heads of the departments to make sure that we're covered. And going forward, I see kind of the same thing here, but there's a lot more communities to cover. And I, I would hope to be able to meet with every community to make sure that they are represented in the budget, uh, the things they need, and that probably would be the first thing I do is if, if elected. Okay, for Williams, and question, how familiar are you with the responsibilities of the county judge and what experience has provided you with that familiarity? Well, the only constitutional requirement for the office is that they be well-informed in the laws of the state. Uh, I've been a student of the law for many years, especially the state and the U.S. Constitution, and especially the Bill of Rights, and I take that very seriously. And the position of the county judge, it's often, it's often overlooked how important the fact that they are actually a judge is. Most people think that it's the chief executive of the county judge is the chief executive of the county, Presides over commissioners' court, probate court, county court, juvenile court. It's actually the commissioners that basically run the county, and the chief executive simply executes the will of the commissioners' court. I'm certainly, well, uh, very opinionated and passionate about many things, so I will be quick to offer my wise counsel when it's necessary. But I would largely defer to county commissioners and their wise and their judgment. Okay, 
Okay, second question, starting with Craig. Explain how your personal background, educational degrees, experience, and or licenses will make you the best candidate to serve as county judge. Well, as I heard earlier, I have a very wide variety of licenses and, and a lot of uh, different experiences uh, that, that bring me to this position. Uh, obviously, the most glaring is uh, as a nursing management chief. Uh, I am working with the judge day in and day out doing that uh, right now. It's something that, that is a, a very routine uh, thing for me, but it's not a routine when it comes to you dealing with the worst emergency of your life. Um, I, as a paramedic, I'm able to see the, the Bay County EMS, which is under the county judge's office, and then giving notes out with that, along with the commissioner's uh, court as well. Uh, you know, I've got a very wide uh, variety of, of experiences. Uh, as a youth minister, I think that will give me a lot of experience uh, dealing with the juvenile court. You know, the juveniles come in to court, they're, they're not necessarily needing a, a one-year term in jail. What they're really needing is some course correction. And uh, they're needing some guidance, they're needing some leadership, they're needing someone to kind of show them the way. Uh, I think, you know, a kid who's maybe doing some bad things, uh, going out on the road and picking up trash all day on the side of the road can, can kind of change their opinion about things. Uh, there's some other kids that may need a little uh, stronger uh, hand, but really a lot of times they just need uh, some guidance one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, that's one thing I've very much enjoyed seeing Judge Weber do. A kid will come into the, uh, to his office and kind of counsel him that, you know, you, you can do better. You can make uh, better decisions and go forward. And I've seen some amazing turnaround through that. And that wasn't done by giving them some harsh sentence. That was done by giving them some love and some truth. Okay, for Lori, explain how your personal background, educational degrees, experience, and or licenses will make you the best candidate to serve the county judge. Well, I've uh, had plenty of experience working with people uh, through the mayor uh, title that I carried for quite some time. And uh, just being a resident of a small town of Fayette County. I uh, volunteered for so many organizations. I uh, worked with our Catholic Church uh, for our CCD classes. I uh, just believe in the future, the future of Fayette County and in the state of Texas is in our youth. And I think that if we don't step up now and show them that good role models what that looks like, that they will go on about their way and never realize what they could have become when they get older. Um, I think that every part of being a judge is an important step. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You're representing an amazing amount of people, and you want to do what's best for everyone, and not everyone is going to be happy always. But I believe that Working together and leaning on each other, we can bring out an outcome for the county that can make be suitable for everyone. Okay, same question for William. Explain how your personal background, educational degrees, experience, and or licenses will make you the best candidate to serve as county judge. Probably, uh, there's probably two things I'd like that I think are that matter the most in this case. The first and foremost is that I'm a land surveyor, and um, three of the faces on Mount Bushmore are land surveyors, and Thomas Jefferson and Washington were both county surveyors, and they're not on that mountain because they were surveyors, but it's no coincidence that there are three surveyors on that mountain. 
It's because of their understanding of land and land law and what land is and how important it is to the people. Land is foundational to the government. Landowners founded this country. And I've dealt with every kind of, I've, I've been all over the place. I've surveyed just about everything imaginable from King Ranch to rivers to beaches. I've surveyed an aircraft carrier. Just about everything we do is attached to the land in some way and our income to derive from the land, our food comes from the land, and in every way we deal with land, and, and I understand land law, easements, dedications, um, regulations. I've read the zoning and subdivision regulations in probably 30 counties. I'm qualified to rewrite zoning and subdivision regulations. Um, the other thing is, again, I'd have to go back to my study of the law. I, it, not all of these laws that I read are relevant to county government, but if I had the time to list all of the laws and, and subjects that I have studied, studied, you would see very clearly that I have. Okay, for the answer to the question, explain how your personal background, educational degrees, experience, and or licenses will make you the best candidate to serve as a county judge. Well, you know, I think we're all... Uh, we all exist after our life experiences. What we go through in life, as I, I mentioned earlier, uh, the county judge's office has been an office that I've been close to for 50 years. I didn't finish my uh, opening remarks because I ran out of time, but I uh, see my good friend Judge Eddie Neshka here who served as county judge for 28 years. 28 years, and while he was operating as county judge, I was operating as a justice of the peace for precinct four. So the experiences of life, I feel, is what qualifies me to hold this office. I certainly know the people of the county. I certainly know the difference between Plum and Praha. The people know me, and I believe I'm the right person to do the job. Okay, great. Next question, sir. Lori. What are your current sources of income, and if elected, will you continue them? If so, how will it affect your ability to perform your duties as county judge? Well, I own a restaurant in Blacktown, Texas, that I have uh, hired an amazing staff to run. I um, have no doubt that they'll be able to carry on without me, probably do better. And, uh, and as far as any assets that I might, uh, might have, if there is a question, and I've, I've filled out the Ethics Commission every year for the last 12 years. And there's never been a problem with any of the stocks or anything else that I hold. So. Okay, for William, uh, what are your current sources of income, and if elected, will you continue them? If so, how will it affect your ability to perform your duties as county judge? Uh, my primary source of income is, of course, the revenue from the business that I've operated for 20 years. Sadly, I will be unable to continue that business, and it'll frankly breaks my heart to have to give it up and county judge is something I'll have to do, I'm willing to do. My wife operates Plum Fabulous Foods and she generates revenue for herself and I'm sure that will continue. Dan, same question. What are your current sources of income and if elected, will you continue them? If so, how will it affect your ability to perform your duties as county judge? Well, uh, my current income is through uh, the county, Justice of the Peace. I own part of the radio station uh, in the range. Uh, I've been associated with the radio stations I mentioned earlier for 45 years. 
and it's not going to affect my position as county judge. I will continue doing what I'm doing right now, which is the morning news. I go on at 7, and I'm out the door by 8. So unless Deputy Terry Ginter or Constable Strickland gives me a ticket for exceeding the speed limit down the bluff, I'll be at the courthouse at roughly 8.15, 8.20 to conduct uh, the business of the county. Uh, I do have property dealings, which I have been asked about in this campaign, and I'll freely answer those uh, property questions. I have, over the last 20 years or so, developed property, and I'm proud of what I've done. Uh, there are restrictions in how property can be those restrictions, and uh, I have made property more available for these people who can't afford a 100 acres or 200 acre tract of land. So I've developed those tracks into 15, 20 acre tracks and more people can afford to come over here to Fayette County and enjoy what we all want to enjoy. Okay, for Craig, what are your current sources of income? And if elected, will you continue them? If so, Judge. Sure. Uh, right now I have two main sources of income uh, as a firefighter and as the Chief of Emergency Management. Uh, thankfully, the timing is almost perfect where I'll be able to stop being a firefighter and for the first time in my adult life only have uh, one job. I cannot tell you how excited I am about that be able to give that up and freely uh, give all my time being a Fayette County judge. Quite excited about that. Okay, next question starting with William. In order of importance, what are the three most challenging responsibilities of the county judge position? Probably, as with any business, um, I'd probably have to say budgeting, um, being a good steward of the resources of the county, um, property tax system, um, the property tax is the most oppressive and, and offensive kind of tax there is, I call for its elimination. And in the meantime, I would always want to keep taxes as low as possible, so I'll be watching that. The budget is a very complex thing, and looking through it, there's a lot of numbers, and a lot of departments, and a lot of categories. Um, I have experience with software development. I've actually developed accounting software, so not only can I understand complex budgets, but I can actually develop software to manage those budgets. Also, with business, it's, it's usually about the people that are involved, and so uh, managing disputes, um, calming nerves, moderating debates. I'm generally a peacemaker. So I, I love hearing from people, and I appreciate any wise counsel that I can get. And so I think I've got good experience working with people, and that's usually one of the most important. Okay, Dan, in order of reports, what are the three most challenging responsibilities to the county judge position? Well, we've been fortunate here in the county. Uh, prior to the 28 years that Judge Yudeshka put in, uh, Judge Beck was county judge for uh, uh, I guess eight to twelve years, Judge Lowprice, Judge Petrosh, and uh, they've they've been good stewards of, of the of the taxes here in the county. We've had conservative conservative leadership, and that's what we are here in Fayette County. We're fiscal conservatives. So primarily we want to make sure that the tax dollars are spent wisely. We want to make sure that our EMS 
that our sheriff's department, we've also been very fortunate to have strong law enforcement. Prior to Sheriff Karenik, we had Sheriff Vandal, did a fantastic job. Uh, Sheriff Copeland, Sheriff Floyd, all fiscal conservatives, providing professional law enforcement, but always cognizant of keeping the expenses down as low as possible. So I would say the best way that a county judge can look out for the tax dollars is to keep spending at low to provide those services such as the fire departments, the highway uh, patrol officers, the deputies, the constables and such, and of course the EMS. Okay, for credit, in order to report sort of the three most challenging responsibilities of the county judge position. Uh, three most challenging responsibilities are just happen to be the three things that I've put in my pledge to Fayette County. That's ensuring safety, building community, and providing prosperity. Uh, we ensure safety by making sure we have first responders that are able to, to live and work in Fayette County. Uh, our retention and, and recruiting of first responders was one of the major things that was noted by every single department in this county. Uh, we don't pay our police officers enough, and we're losing them. We lost one this week to another place. It costs us more not to pay them correctly, because then we have to bring in and train somebody else. It's a losing proposition. We need to get our, our police officers, our paramedics paid well. Uh, we need to look at getting our volunteer firefighters a, a, a siphon in the, in the way of our retirement, which some of our departments have already done, and that will ensure our safety. Uh, we're going to build community by bringing all of our churches and nonprofits together and have a consortium that can do things ahead of time instead of retroactively after a disaster. Uh, we're going to give all those churches and community organizations that want to participate uh, a role in providing what is needed uh, after a, a disaster and also during the good times and giving them tools. And then we're going to provide prosperity by keeping our tax rate low. I was at the forefront of this tax discussion. It's all my signs. Keeping taxes low brings in more revenue in the end run because it brings in good businesses, businesses that give people honorable jobs that they can be proud of and build our community strong. We don't necessarily have to bring in a ton of people to build our community. We just have to bring in places that are able to give a great wage and keep our community safe. Hey, for order, in order to report sort of the three most challenging responsibilities of the county judge position. Well, I think the verses are the safety of our uh, citizens. Uh, by helping the EMS and helping the um, fire department as well as the police department. Uh, those are the three major things that we need to protect our citizens and that's why we're here. None of us would be here if we weren't interested in protecting our citizens. Uh, our uh, as we look to the future, things change daily. As well as equipment, and uh, we've had, we've maintained equipment that's probably been outdated 10 years ago, and hopefully be able to start replacing some of that equipment gradually, as well as raises fire departments, fire EMS, and, and that means throughout the county, not just in, in the branch. Okay, next question, start with Dan. What do you see as the role of county judge regarding the enforcement of government mandates? Would you repeat that, please? What do you see as the role of county judge regarding the enforcement of government mandates? Well, I mean, if they're government mandates, uh, they should be enforced. Is that your question? I'll leave it there. 
just the way it is. What is my, what is the county judge function as far as government mandates? Well, I guess if there's a government mandate, and it's the government is demanding that it's uh, mandated, the county should follow through with that. Uh, of course, you know, the thing about the county judge is the county attorney's office is right down below the, uh, the next floor, and the county judge can always go to the county attorney to uh, discuss any issue for that matter. But something like that, I would certainly throw past the commissioners and the, and, uh, the county attorney. And uh, if there's a government mandate that must be mandated, then it would be implemented. Okay, for Craig, again, what do you see as the role of the county judge regarding the enforcement of government mandates? You know, some of the mandates come down from the governor's office, and one of the major roles from, from the county judge is talking to the governor, is talking to uh, the legislators that have the ability to make that decision. I've got a very good relationship with many, many people that work in the capital in Austin, and I'm against mandates in almost every way. I think the, the worst thing you can do, especially the Bay County folk who, who like to do things their own way, is tell them they have to do something. A much, much better way is to educate them on why it's a good decision to do this or do that. You can talk about that, say, with a burn ban. You know, if things get really, really bad, we have to enforce a burn ban. But as we get closer to that, we can talk to people and say, hey, it's not really a great idea. I was firmly against the mask mandates. I didn't think it was a good idea to tell people they have to wear a mask. I think it was a much better idea to say, hey, there's something really nasty out there that we don't understand completely. Would you please consider doing this for a while while we figure it out? That makes a whole lot more sense to me than telling somebody, hey, you absolutely have to do something. I don't like being told what to do. A lot of other people don't like being told what to do. But if you explain to me why something's important and you explain to me in, in good measure, uh, then people are much more likely to do that. Okay, for Rory, what do you see as the role of the county judge regarding the enforcement of government mandates? Well, first of all, I don't uh, believe in mandates. I think that every citizen in Fayette County and throughout the Texas, throughout the United States, has their own ability to make their own decisions. But as far as mandates with the county, with uh, citizens, they would have to prove to me that it was vital for the health and well-being of our entire county to be able to make me feel assured that I was doing the right thing. It's not something that you can just tell someone you have to do. And make and because you're making decisions for every citizen in the county, not just yourself. Lawyer, to you, what do you see as the role of the county judge regarding the enforcement of government mandates? Well, in order to enforce any mandate, it must be lawful. Any law or order or mandate that is repugnant to the Constitution is null and void from the beginning as if it never existed. Um, I too would seek wise counsel from Mrs. Shupak quite often, but there are certain things that I don't need help with. And anything mentioned in the Bill of Rights or anything involving the rights of the citizens um, are, are ex expressly excluded from the general powers of government by the Bill of Rights. And so certain things I don't need help with. Quite frankly, there's uh, not a lot of things that the county judge can do on their own and they're going to need community support. It's the citizens who are actually in the government. The citizens actually run the county. And so if something difficult comes down, it's going to be up to the county judge to seek wise counsel from not just government departments, but from the citizens 
and other areas of the government. And together they make this decision what should be done. But in no case would I ever infringe on the natural rights decisions to make their own determinations. Quite frankly, I think the citizens are capable of making wise decisions by themselves, and they don't need to be told what to do by the government. Okay, next question. We'll start with uh, Craig. Considering any personal, financial, or property investments, how are you ensure there is never a real or perceived conflict of interest if you are elected county judge? It's pretty easy for broke farming. I don't have a whole lot of those. <laughs> I've got a farm that I was very fortunate to buy when uh, my 13-year-old daughter was in the womb. I uh, bought it at a good time because I couldn't uh, afford it now. There's no way that the property price has gone up so much. Uh, but if that doesn't really matter to me and my family because we never plan on selling it. Uh, my son is buried in Plum. I plan on being buried in Plum as well right next to him. And I don't ever plan on dividing or selling my, my family farm. So I have no conflicts of interest. Very glad to not have any conflicts of interest. And uh, that's, that's an easy, quick question. I'll yield the rest of my time. Okay, for Lord, consider any personal, financial, or property investments. How will you ensure there is never a real or perceived conflict of interest if you are elected county judge? First of all, I would definitely research before I bought any property or any type of investment. Uh, there's no way I would let myself become a part of something that could hurt myself or uh, the county. I'd be a, a bad reflection. Uh, I just don't think it's necessary, and I it wouldn't wouldn't happen with me. Okay, for William, considering any personal, financial, or property investments, how will you ensure there is never a real or perceived conflict of interest if you are elected county judge? And it's a pretty simple question. I have no conflicts, and there is nothing as, uh, that will prevent me from dedicating my time and service to the county and, and to doing what's best. Dan, considering any personal or financial investments, how will you ensure there is never a real or perceived conflict of interest if you are elected county judge? Well, uh, I would say that you don't remain in office for 28 years uh, unless you're a person of integrity, and uh, you don't remain in the public eye for 45 years unless you're uh, someone of integrity. People know me. I'm not going to do anything unethical. Uh, I'm sure it's not like to start now. So, uh, I would not do anything that would be unethical. Okay, that went fairly quickly. I'll start with the Lori this time. Uh, if an agreement with the restrictions placed on us by government Abbott during the last two years identify the lawful justification for them. Can you, I'm sorry, can you repeat it one If in agreement with the restrictions placed on us by Governor Abbott during the last two years identify the lawful justifications for them. I don't believe that there are any lawful justifications for a governor to tell me that I have to wear a mask or that you have to do things. I, I don't believe in that. Period. Period. I, I won't wait in that. I think everyone has a right to choose what they do. Uh, I understand uh, with the schools, Governor Abbott said that <coughs> teachers did not have, should not wear masks, or students should not. In that case, I think that is up to every child's parent to make that decision, not not for a governor, not for me or anyone else. Their parents should make that decision. Okay. William, 
in agreement with the restrictions placed on us by government after during the last two years identify the lawful justification for that? There is not. Um, I have read the Bill of Rights many times in the past couple of years, and the rights to conduct business and to travel about freely, and the decisions you make about your body, and the rights of assembly are specifically mentioned in the Bill of Rights. And again, anything mentioned in the Bill of Rights is expressly excluded from the general powers of government. Our right to conduct business doesn't come from government, it comes from God. They are natural rights. All of those natural rights are protected by the Bill of Rights and they excluded from the general powers of government. The, purport, the governor purported alleged to, that he could suspend laws, and he alleged that he gets this right from the Texas Disaster Act. And the Texas, Texas Disaster Act does not give the governor to suspend any law. There's only few and specific laws, and most of them are related to regulations and agency rules, and nothing about natural rights. So even Justice the Divine of the Texas Supreme Court called the entire Disasters Act of questionable constitutionality simply because the governor claimed the authority to suspend the laws under it. And again, the Constitution grants the state legislature the authority to suspend laws alone. Hey, for Dan, said question. If in agreement with the restrictions placed on us by government Abbott during the last two years, identify the lawful justification for them. Well, I would say that uh, we all need to give uh, the governors and the uh, U.S. government uh, the benefit of that they're acting in the best interest of the citizenry. Uh, in other words, if Governor Abbott say, says that it is best that we do this, I would think that the county government should have the ability to make up their mind for themselves if that suits the best for that particular county. Uh, I can't envision a scenario where a governor would do something that he thought was unlawful or would be harmful. I like to think that the people in Washington, as crazy as they are, the people in Austin, as crazy as they are, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt that they think they are doing things that's in the public's best interest. And you know, we have to remember this pandemic is something that we've never seen anything the likes of. Still, we're still not out of the woods. So, I like to think that these people that are making these decisions as the governor, they're, they're doing this in the public's best interest, and they have no motive otherwise. Okay, correct me. If in agreement with restrictions placed on us by government Abbott during the past two years, identify the lawful justifications for them. You know, I was put right in the, the forefront of a lot of that stuff. He'd come out with these executive orders, and suddenly we'd have to enforce them, and we wouldn't get it ahead of time at all. Emergency Management, Homeland Security, that's a pretty broad job, but one of the things I never anticipated was having to suddenly be a, a wedding coordinator and a party planner. Uh, one of those ridiculous uh, executive orders said that my office had to approve any gathering uh, over 100. Uh, we approved every single one of them uh, because that was the right thing to do. Now we gave some suggestions for, for some, some spread out, help provide some sanitizer, but as I said earlier, I really kind of feel like this is a follow-up question. 
telling someone the right way to do things, educating them, giving them all the, the, the information you can is a much better way than telling someone they have to do something. It's just not the right way. I was in favor of many of them at the time. Uh, we did everything we could to kind of make those blows uh, go a little bit softer, and uh, you know, it, it was a challenge. Uh, the one thing I will say that I was in favor of uh, was his use of uh, the Stafford Act and several other uh, organizations, several other laws to allow us to give things to private entities uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, we took truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of PPE to the nursing homes, to assisted living centers, to the doctor's offices, to the hospitals in our county. Normally the government can't give something to a, a private entity, but that stuff was just not available, and I believe it saved a lot of lives. So uh, under that, uh, in a specific statute, the Stafford Act, there's a few others uh, that allow the expansion of powers to do that. It, it costs some money to taxpayers, but I think it saved some lives and was worth it. Okay, on to the next question, starting with William. What changes or improvements would you focus on to positively guide the future of Fayette County? Um, I would probably um, start with subdivision regulations and ordinances. Being a land server, that's often one of the first things on my mind. I've noticed from attending, attending the commissioner's court meetings that um, every subdivision pretty much is granted a variance. And if there's a variance for every item on the agenda, then it's a it's an indication that the, the ordinance is not proper and needs some water. Um, I think the subdivision regulations that need to make, be made more simple, they need to be updated. Um, there needs to be an administrative level subdivision where simple subdivisions can be approved administratively without having to wait on the commissioners. Uh, many jurisdictions have such regulations. Sorry, I, I, that's what's on my mind right now. So, okay. for Dan, what changes or improvements do you focus on to positively guide the future of Fayette County? Well, I don't know that uh, there's changes to be made. I mean, everything can be improved on, but uh, you know, I'm a big believer if things aren't broke, you don't fix them. As I mentioned earlier, we've had good sound leadership here uh, for the last 50 years in Fayette County. I would probably. Uh, pursue uh, streaming the uh, commissioner court meetings uh, that are held monthly. I think the more people know what's going on in county government, the better for everyone. So that's probably what I would strive to do. The first thing is to have the commissioner's court streamed live so uh, the uh, general public can, can be on top of what is happening. But, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not running for this office to make any drastic change. I think people are pretty happy in the county. Those that aren't happy, they want to vote for something else, or they want to fix this or that. But uh, overall, I think the county is running a pretty sound manner. Okay, Craig, what changes or improvements would you focus on to positively guide the future of Fayette County? Uh, so over the last year, I've been working very closely with the uh, rural nonprofit group and our churches to form a coalition to let them do things that they can do better than the government. The government takes a lot of roles uh, when it comes to uh, preparing for things, for long-term recovery, for all these other things. And I think really we have people who are more talented in this county who can do a better and more efficient job. Uh, long-term recovery is a major example of that. If you go up and down Country Club Drive, you'll see a whole bunch of churches, I'm sorry, a whole bunch of houses uh, that were flooded years ago during Harvey. They're still standing there, still rotting away. 
because the government took over that project. Uh, if I was in charge today, we had the exact same thing. The first thing I would do would be to bring together what's called our VOADs and our COADs. That's our volunteer organizations assisting in disaster and our community organizations assisting in disaster. And I guarantee you, it wouldn't look like that today. I don't know exactly what it would look like, but it wouldn't be a whole bunch of houses that people were told uh, they can't go in and they can't do this and they can't do that, lasting years and years and years. Now, the people who originally uh, came up with that didn't expect it to go that way. They expected the federal government and the state government were going to do what they said and come in and fix things. Uh, but we're not the only ones that are in that boat. There's, there's counties all over who aren't able to, to move forward with what they need to be done uh, because of, of that problem. So my, my answer is I would empower people who can do better than the government to take over the roles the government are doing right now because they have the passion to do it and we don't need to be getting in the way of their ministry. We don't need to be getting in the way of their missions. Okay, Lori, what changes or improvements would you focus on to positively guide the future of Fayette County? Well, the first thing I do is bring Fayette County together from one end to the next. Uh, citizens that are working with the fire department, citizens that are volunteering at libraries, citizens who are uh, working at banks, have different jobs, bring, bring them together, bring leaders together of those communities. Find out what's, what's needed in their, in their town and find out what would help them. Say they need new fire department equipment. Uh, that's something we work, we'll work on together. Uh, the keeping, up, keeping the EMS going, keeping all the vital uh, necessities uh, going and Perfect shape. It's going to take Okay. Um, next question, starting with Dan. In your opinion, what level of danger does the massive influx of illegal aliens into Texas pose to Fayette County, i.e., personal health and safety, county and school finances, tourism, and our historic culture? Could you repeat that, please? Yeah, in your opinion, what level of danger does the massive influx of illegal aliens into Texas pose to Fayette County, i.e. personal health and safety, county and school finances, tourism, and historic culture? Well, you know, we all know that we have a problem at the border. I see it every time I go to jail to magistrate prison. Most of the time, there are the illegal aliens. It's a problem. Uh, we have to, as a society, we have to work toward making things as better than they are. We've got a problem. I don't know what can be done about it. Hell, if we knew what was done about it, the state would have done something about it by now. Uh, so we've got a problem with illegal aliens. Uh, we've got our law enforcement guys back there. They know it better than I. Uh, it's a problem, but I don't see it as something that the county can tackle. Uh, unless somebody's got a good idea. Great for you. In your opinion, what level of danger does the massive influx of illegal aliens into Texas pose to Fayette County? Uh, personal health and safety, county and school finances, tourism, and historic culture. Uh, I think it's a significant danger. That's something that I worry about a lot. Uh, as you know, I-10 runs all the way through our county, and I-10 is the, the human trafficking corridor uh, that, that is the worst in the nation. There are more people trafficked, both illegal aliens and people who are being sexually abused uh, down I-10 than anywhere else in the, in the country, and it's providing a huge risk to us. When our police
police officers pull up behind them. They uh, immediately go into a chase many times. We've had them run into our, our neighbors. They've had them run into strangers. They've caused massive wrecks. There's been deaths all associated with that. And, and I disagree that we can't do something about it. I think we can. I think having uh, increased license plate readers and intelligence and, and all these different things can help us crack down on this human trafficking in a major, major way. Uh, I am a threat liaison officer with the Austin Regional Intelligence Center. I get a daily briefing of things that are going on through my online security role, and we see these day in and day out and day in and day out, and there are technologies we can we can do to, to fix that. You know, it's an incremental fix. We're not gonna fix the whole border crisis, but incremental fixes for this and everything else is how we get better. Uh, every day we get better, we find a little way to make this and that better, uh, and we protect our citizens from these really terrible people that are trafficking folks all around uh, the country, and many of the times through Fayette County. Okay, Lori, in your opinion, what level of dangers does the massive influx of illegal aliens into Texas Post to Fayette County, i.e. personal health and safety, county and school finances, tourism, and historic culture? Well, first of all, they uh, impose threat, not per se threats, but they impose uh, insecurity for, Tex for, te for Texans. Uh, they actually, I had uh, 12 illegal aliens show up at my restaurant one night about 10.30. They had no shoes. They had uh, very little clothing. Uh, they were, had been in a, an accident where an 18 wheeler rolled over and they were in the back of that 18 wheeler. So we helped them, we called the fire department, we, uh, I'm sorry, we called the police department and had them uh, come take them to where they needed to be. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's a, uh, something that has to be done, but it has to be done by uh, lead, the leaders of the entire state. Well, you said the question again in your opinion. What level of danger does a massive influx of illegal aliens to Texas pose to Fayette County for personal health, safety, county and school finances, tourism, and historic culture? Uh, well, quite frankly, the vast majority of the ones coming up here are not really dangerous. There are definitely criminal elements in there. There's problems between trafficking and drugs, and there are lots of nefarious folks sneaking in with them. But working down on the border quite a bit, it's pretty heartbreaking to see them walking through the woods, um, you know, dying of thirst literally and giving themselves up. And I have a lot of compassion for those folks. They definitely overburden our system. Um, I don't know that they don't pay taxes like the rest of us. And they, um, if, if the growth of that population continues to grow at the rate that it is, it has a chance to crash, you know, overburden and crash the system. Um, it's really not a county matter. You know, they, they take jobs, they dilute wages. Those are definitely problems. As a county judge, there's not much we can do about it but advocate with the governor's office to close the border. There is definitely things that the governor could be doing right now and should have been doing for years. Absolutely 100% lock down and close that border. And then we can deal with the, the, the other problems that we have that are in relation to immigration and that legal immigration. Okay, this is the last question in this section here, starting with Craig. In the past decade, there has been a large influx of people moving from the urban areas in Texas, as well as from out of state into Fayette County. 
What are your ideas for managing this growth? What will promote that will promote economic opportunities while preserving our historic appeal and small town values? You know, I love raising my family in Mayberry. It's fantastic. I wish I could keep it the way it is forever and ever. Uh, I love my toddler. I wish I could keep her for forever, but that's not the way it's going to be. Uh, we have to have a master plan uh, going forward. And so I've studied other places that have done it well, and I've studied other places that have failed. Uh, one, one place I think has a lot of similarity to us is Montgomery County, Texas. Uh, Montgomery County is slightly farther away from the Woodlands than we are from Bastrop, and they're slightly farther away from Houston than we are from Austin. And in a very, very short period of time, they saw an influx of citizens that completely overran their infrastructure. Uh, their sewers didn't work, they didn't have enough water, they didn't have roads, traffic was miserable. We have to plan as if things are going to, to happen, because they are. We can't stop it. Uh, just like I'd love to live, 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 have a little Lincoln be four years old forever, she's not going to be. Uh, but we can control that growth and, uh, and do things. There's other places that we've done it well. We can look right here in Fayette County at a little microcosm uh, of Roundtop. Roundtop has done things to say, that, hey, listen, we've got a very small community that has a very small sewer system, that has a very small water system, and they've said we're not going to allow people to kind of come in and subdivide and come in and add more homes until we can handle that. Uh, our county, is, you don't know, has about 97% capacity on our sewer systems right now. Uh, it, it, we are way behind the times for a lot of the sewer systems throughout the county. Uh, thankfully, the only thing that really saves us is we have a whole lot of folks who have septic systems and have wells. Uh, but going forward, that may or may not be the case as TCEQ changes some of their rules. If we're already in the past decade, there's been a large influx of people moving from urban areas in Texas as well as from out of state into Fayette County. What are your ideas for managing this growth and that will promote economic opportunities while preserving our historic appeal and small town value? I think we have to start now. I think we should have started already. I think the uh, influx has started probably uh, with COVID. Hit. We saw more and more people coming out from the cities wanting to have their kids, their children, to have areas, places to run, play where you weren't right on top of your neighbor. Uh, one thing that uh, I, I'm concerned about is the effect of this on the schools and the EMS, the parks, our fire department, uh, all of our human services, uh, that what if that will do? And if we don't start planning now, I think we're going to be behind the curve, and that's not someplace you want to be. Okay, well, even in the past decade, there's been a large influx of people moving from the urban areas in Texas as well as from out of state and Fayette County. What are your ideas for managing this growth that will promote economic opportunities while preserving our historic appeal and small town values? Um, as I've been talking to folks around the county, I've been absolutely shocked at the anti-growth attitude. Um, and I'm uh, not just among some citizens, but among many governments around. And I certainly understand that desire to keep the town very small and friendly, but Quite frankly, you can't really stop it. And if you continue to try and prevent it from coming and keep your eyes, take an eyes closed attitude, you're going to get the kind of development and growth that you don't want. So the wiser choice would be to properly plan for it, to manage it, to be prepared for it when it comes. And that's going to quite frankly require a lot of conversation with a lot of folks. Um, I don't mind admitting that I don't know everything. So. 
Um, it, there's a lot of folks that have wise counsel out there, and it's going to have to. It's going to take some changing of attitude. I, I'd like to see enough growth in this county that my children have an opportunity to stay here. I don't want them to have to move away when when they move out because there's not job opportunities here and not enough paying jobs and not enough opportunity. And so I, I think something needs to change, and I, I assure you, we'll spend a lot of time talking about. Okay, for you in the past decade years with a large influx of people moving from urban areas in Texas as well as from out of state into Fayette County. What are your ideas for managing this growth that will promote economic opportunities while preserving our historic appeal and small town values? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with your question about the past decade. This has been going on for 40 or 50 years here because of our geographical location. People want to get out of Houston, they want to get out of Austin, they want to get out of San Antonio, they're going to continue to come here because they like Fayette County. The positive to that increases our tax base. We just have to have controlled growth. So in many ways, uh, that's the biggest job of the next county judge will be to have uh, restrictions when they're needed. We want positive growth. We don't want our uh, the people who are moving into the county to lower our, our uh, tax property values. So uh, it's an important part of this position that one of us up here is going to undertake. I understand there's a candidate in November, so not necessarily one of us, but I would say that that's one of the most important jobs of the person who takes over as county judge to make sure we grow. We need to grow. That grows our tax base, but we need to have growth in a controlled manner. And I think over the years we've had a good, have done a good job in the county of doing that. Okay, thank you. Uh, I think we have a short break coming up until we have questions from the community. Okay. Yeah, we'll take about um, just a few minutes break and collect any questions that you may have. Give it to the moderator. I think a lot of these candidates will be glad to uh, stay after the forum and talk to you if you'd like. So,
going to choose to discuss mine, but uh, I very much uh, appreciate what he had to say. It is a private matter, and it's not everybody's business. So yes, I am vaccinated, and I am post-COVID. So I had uh, the vaccine, and I got COVID after that. Uh, I think it probably gave me some protection, but it will probably be a decade before we truly know anything about uh, medicine. Uh, I was a study coordinator for Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3 trials. Uh, the speed at which a lot of this stuff's come out is giving me some concern. Uh, and anyone who tells you they really absolutely know anything about COVID should be instantly uh, discounted because we're still learning every single day. Okay. Water conservation. Similar question as uh, before. Um, with the path of subdivisions and large acre um, properties, there is an increase in the uh, number of residents that are drilling wells. How does the county prevent overuse and uh, depletion of our underground water system as has been previously discussed at the Commissioner's Court? As the Commissioner said previously, that road actually for the Fairfax Groundwater Conservation District to answer. Um, I'm not an expert in water, and so I'm not familiar with how quickly the field water drains are depleted. And so I, I'm going to, you know, I don't have all the answers, and so that's something I would really look into. For Dan, the same question with the subdivisions, uh, division of large acres, properties, uh, increase in the number of. Uh, Wells that are being grown constantly. How does the county prevent overuse and depletion of our underground water as been discussed at the Commissioner's Court? Well, uh, at the Commissioner's Court, as uh, one of the commissioners mentioned, the groundwater uh, conservation district was uh, implemented under Judge Janetska's regime, and it's something that was very wise, and it's helped us to conserve water here in Fayette County, one of our precious resources. Uh, Mr. Bernson says he's not an expert in water, but I've got an expert in water sitting over there. Uh, uh, Mr. Krupa, my uh, treasurer, he's responsible for the Fayette Water Supply Corporation that was developed here in the county. Uh, so, yeah, it's always a concern. We have to, it's part of planning for the future and make sure that, uh, that we protect the precious uh, resource of water that it is. Craig, same question uh, with the uh, large subdivisions being divided and increase in uh, number of residents drilling the wells. Um, how does the county prevent the overuse and depletion of our underground water as has been discussed at Commissioner's Court? Yeah, my office and my staff spent about eight months interviewing uh, people around the county about their needs. We interviewed 54 entities in total, uh, and some of those were the ground water conservation district and also all the water boards in this county, and one that oversees not only this county but Lee County. Uh, and something I am pretty well educated on. Uh, we have to do an actuarial analysis for water like we do for money, and if there, are, if there is more water coming out of the ground uh, than being replenished, we have to make some changes for that. Uh, the biggest change that I think we can do is instantly say, right now, we're not gonna ship all our water to San Antonio. There's a big group right now that wants us to put a huge pipeline uh, from Bay County all the way to San Antonio and ship a whole bunch of water over there. Uh, you know, they'll tell you things about being a good neighbor and all these different things, and, and I wanna be a good neighbor. Uh, but San Antonio grew at a pace they couldn't keep up with. They did not have the master plan that, that we need uh, in this county, and I don't think we should be shipping millions or billions of gallons of water uh, anywhere else, uh, period, point blank, in the story. Okay.
story with the uh, subdivisions and large acreage properties being developed and the uh, number of uh, wells that are being drilled, how does the county prevent overuse and depletion of our underground water system and as has been discussed in the report? Uh, first of all, I think it needs to be monitored by the county uh, very well. And the next step is uh, turning it over to people like Mr. Krupa, uh, companies like that to monitor all of the, the site, the uh, wells, the underground water aquifers that we have as well. They, um, they just, you don't want to give white water. You don't want to sell water. Water is the liquid gold. And from working with LCRA, that is what I have learned. Water is liquid gold for the future. And we can't sustain life without water. And we never give a drop, sell a drop out of this county. The uh, next two questions are uh, tax related. I tried to boil down a couple here. Uh, one of them talked about uh, the county voted previously on the creation of a hospital tax district, and then there was also a large tax increase in 2019. Your thoughts on those two items, starting with them? Well, you know, I think the majority of the people spoke in the election. Uh, in other words, it was 81% against the tax for the hospital district and 19% voting for uh, the tax district. Whether that was the right decision or not, well, the majority had to say. So uh, I do like the fact they put it to the voters, and the voters of the people of the county decided, but obviously the uh, tax district with the uh, hospital did not fare well. Again, I repeat those numbers. Uh, it was defeated 81 to 19%. So the voters said no. The other, uh, uh, for Craig, it's the same questions, uh, kind of two parts there. The creation of the hospital district uh, voted, uh, vote uh, a few years ago, and also the increase in the large increase in county taxes in 2019. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are on this are going to mimic my thoughts on a whole lot of other things. Generally, the government cannot do something better than private industry. And uh, private industry uh, can run hospitals better than the government can. A hospital district uh, has not led to good things in other places, and we should not follow that, uh, that pattern. However, in Fayette County, you are six times more likely to die of a vascular event, such as a stroke or heart attack, and you're three times more likely to die of a neoplasm, which is a cancer, than you are in places that have primary health care that can treat those things at a very high level. Uh, I'll talk a lot about this campaign through incremental approaches to different things. Uh, one of the things we need to be doing more in this county is medical research. Uh, if you know anything about the hospital St. Jude, uh, what you know is that no one that goes to St. Jude has to pay for anything. That's because every single person at St. Jude is enrolled in, in some sort of research. And that research may be something as simple as a Band-Aid, but they're enrolled in that. And so uh, that can be one of the anchor industries for our county. That might happen through St. Mark's Hospital, which I'm so glad to have a hospital here. Or it might happen somewhere else. Uh, but there are ways we can get high-level health care here without it costing the, the taxpayers a lot of money, without it costing the individuals a lot of money, and people that have no money whatsoever might still be able to get extremely high-level health care. We're not going to have St. Jude Hospital here tomorrow. We're not going to have something that large, but we can incrementally start and grow and grow and grow and, and do great things in our health care. Okay. So, uh, the two items are again our uh, creation of the the vote on the 
tax increase in 2019 for the county? Okay, first of all, the uh, St. Mark's. I was on the board when we decided to ask for the taxing district. Uh, it was a tough time. It was a tough time uh, for the hospital, for everyone that was on the board, uh, for everyone who supported it. Uh, it's, a, it's so necessary in this county, and it is vital to the citizens. The next, the other part of the question. Uh, the hospital will, the hospital is here, still, thank goodness, very, very thankful that that, that happened. Uh, and we need to protect that hospital and we need to make sure that that hospital is here for years to come and improving its quality and care for our citizens. Your thoughts on the uh, uh, to create the hospital tax district a few years ago, and then also the uh, tax increase that the county had in 2019. I was very pleased when the voters voted against that tax district. Um, government welfare is not charity; charity requires free will. I would rather see private organizations raise funds. I would gladly donate money to the hospital. But I'm not willing to fund the hospital on the back of, back of um, on property taxes, which uh, make it harder and harder for me to enjoy my property as a government control. Okay, uh, this question is starting with uh, Craig. The last question, another taxing question. On a micro level, Brown Top has seen a huge increase in property values. It appears that on a micro level, this is happening all over Fayette County. What do, we, what do we do to those living on a fixed income who are seeing real estate prices skyrocketing right now? Thank you. I was really hoping there would be a whole lot more tax questions here. Uh, taxes is my, my passion. Uh, obviously, you can see it on my billboards. Uh, keep taxes low. Uh, and again, I'm going to repeat a common thing. We take incremental steps. I think property tax should be eliminated, period. I don't like property tax. It's a, It's a socialist system in my opinion, uh, but we can't just get rid of something tomorrow. So the first thing I would do is start with a little group. Anyone nine year over, we're not paying property tax anymore. When we can do it to extend that, we'll go to 80 year over, we'll go to 70 year over until we can get rid of it. Uh, the sales tax that's coming in in Round Top in particular is astounding. If you look at the amount of sales tax that that small little 90 person community takes in, it, it it competes with much, much larger towns. That's because they're doing some things the right way. Uh, bringing in a lot of sales tax is a way that we can eventually, over time, over a master plan, 5, 10, 20 year plan, uh, get to a place where our people don't have to worry that they're rinsing their home from the government instead of owning their home. There are people who have very beautiful homes who are completely paid off, who don't know if they're gonna be able to stay in them because their property tax is so high. That has to be stopped. Uh, we can't stop it all tomorrow. God knows I wish we could, uh, but we can start with the 90-year-olds and the 80-year-olds and the 70-year-olds till we get down to the 10-year-olds, and then 10-year-olds will be paying a property tax here. Okay, for the example, as Roundtop has seen a huge increase in property values, it appears this is happening all over Fayette County. What would you say to those living on a fixed income who are now seeing real estate prices skyrocketing? Well, I think we're talking about new construction in uh, a lot of these instances. 
and that is priced well above homes that have been lived in for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I think maybe we ought to take a look possibly at uh, freezing the tax level uh, or and lowering the age that that can happen for your homestead. Uh, I think that as we look at it, our income tax uh, budget line item uh, has, is going to grow and it's going to keep growing. Okay, we, on, uh, for example, Round Top has seen a huge increase in property values. It appears this is happening all over Fayette County. What would you say to those people living on a fixed income who are now seeing real estate prices skyrocket? It's actually a problem that's uh, been around for a long, long time. It's, it's largely those businesses have a right to be there. Um, and the antique show has a right to exist. And it's unfortunate, you know, I'm one of the ones that is um, hurt by the increased property values. I don't like seeing property values increasing. I don't care if my house doubles in value. I frankly would rather it stay low value. But um, I, I, these are going to be very difficult questions uh, and, and issues to resolve. And a big part of it comes from monetary policy at the national level. And so I'm not sure how county government can really affect that too much without restricting the movement of people and restricting subdivisions and restricting rights. Okay, for Dan, same question around top of a huge increase in property values. It appears this is happening all over Fayette County. What would you say to those on a fixed income or seeing real estate prices skyrocket? Well, I'm not sure that's a question for county government. Uh, property taxes, uh, the state takes care of that. We all remember Oh, 91, 92, somewhere around there, they told us if you pass the lottery, you're going to do away with the property taxes. Well, that's not true at all. As far as the value going up, it's going to continue to go up because, as I mentioned earlier, where we're located, people want to come to Fayette County. I don't have the answer to the question, but I do know it's a real problem. Property taxes are a problem, and it's not going to be solved in the uh, government of the local government area. Okay, that uh, concludes the uh, questions for you, and we'll open up with uh, your uh, two-minute closing remarks, starting with Lori. Well, first of all, I want to thank the, everyone who provided the setting for this today, all your hard work organization, getting it all together, emails, everything, uh, and also to our moderator. Uh, I, I know know that Fayette County has an amazing future ahead. I think we have to look at that growth that we've been talking about. I think we have to plan for the future. I think we have to plan our schools so they're not overwhelmed all the time. I think we have to continue to uh, work together and unify the county. Um, liberty matters, the law matters, all authority in government comes from the citizens, and that authority is laid out in the Constitution, and the Constitution is both of them have been ignored for many years, and it's time that that stops. And it's never been more clear and evident that it needs to stop than in 2020. I have a lot at stake here, I have a lot of children in this county. I hope they stay here for many years. 
Um, I believe I speak for the silent majority. I think there's a lot of people who have been keeping their heads down, working real hard, and being quiet. They've been intimidated and browbeaten, and that breaks my heart, and it's time for that to end. Um, I want to thank my wife and my children. Um, this has been a very difficult chore to run for office, and it's also very difficult for them. And um, without them, I couldn't do it, and it's because of them that I do it. Thank you. Dan, you got your two. All right, we, uh, I also want to thank everybody for being here today. Uh, I think I'm the person to be the next county judge, and I don't say that bragging. I just think that I'm the person who knows the county best, and I know the people of the county. And uh, I just think that the county judge's position should be a reflection of the people, and in this election, I think I'm the best candidate that reflects the people of this county. I grew up here in Schulenburg and uh, made my home. My wife and I live in Swizzell. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very familiar with uh, county politics. I think a lot of people came here today knowing who you're going to vote for, and that's fine. When I was growing up here in Schulenburg, the only thing we had Republican-wise was here in Schulenburg, we had John Yarling and his father, also named John. We had Roy Buchek, we had uh, Terry's father over in Flatonia, Otto Steinhauser, and in Lorraine we had Dr. Riley Jackson. The Republican Party was, nobody ran on the Republican ticket. Even though we were always fiscal conservatives here in Fayette County. So thank y'all. If you came here undecided, I hope you vote for Dan Miller for county judge. If I'm elected, I'd like to do a good job. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tumas. Thank you. Serving in my current role has been an absolute honor. Uh, being your chief of emergency management and homeland security has given me an, an insane amount of uh, ability to get out and touch people and see people and hear about uh, what they need and what they want. And, and it's just been awesome. And I really hope uh, that I can be your next Bay County judge. I think I've earned that vote. Uh, and if you are still undecided, I would like you to come talk to me and have a have a sit down and a chat. Uh, if you can't do that in person, I do have a Bay County, uh, Craig Moreau Bay County judge Facebook group. In that group, we're talking about things that are, that are important to you. And not everybody in that group agrees with everything. There are people in that group that I'm sure that aren't going to vote for me, but I do want to hear what they have to say. No one on this stage has all the answers. No one in this county has all the answers. Uh, the answers come in the collective wisdom of, of the group. And these groups, uh, they're able to give answers and give input are the reasons that we know what we know today. Uh, we have to go out and talk to stakeholders in this community, but we also have to talk to the people in this community who feel like they, their opinion hasn't been heard. Uh, some of those opinions are, are that are young. Uh, next Tuesday uh, at Latte on the Square from 5 to 6.30, I'm meeting with a large group of, of voters and nearly voters, 16 to 22 year olds, because that group is not involved by and large in what's going on. They need to know what's going on in their government. There's a whole lot of adults that don't know what the county judge does. There's a lot of kids that don't as well. If we can raise our kids right, get them involved in things, just like my daughter who's involved in the Bay County Republican Women, uh, we can make this nation great. We can make this county great. Thank you so much for all your time. Uh, if you agree with any of my views, I'd love to hear it. If you disagree with any of my views, I'd love to hear it even more. And uh, thank you for being Bay County residents, and uh, thank you for allowing me to serve you.